0: First Corinthians chapter four, verses one through seven. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is re- required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This is the very word of God to us. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I consider it a real honor and a blessing to get to meet each and every person that walks in. If (laughs) If you've been coming for a few weeks and we have not met, uh, I, I'm sorry for that. I would love to, I, I genuinely would love to meet you. We, we talk about this a lot. We say this a lot, but it, it is more than just a phrase. We would love to buy you a cup of coffee. We'd love to sit down and hear how you ended up with us. We'd love to just hear what's stirring inside of you. We, we're not trying to uh, win an argument or have an argument. We're simply trying to walk with people here in this area. And so we'd love for you to give us an opportunity for that. You may or may not be aware, but we're coming out of Easter. A couple weeks ago was Easter, and we've, he had been on a long walk with Jesus through the book of Mark, just trying to look at who is Jesus. Not not what does culture say, but uh, what does the Bible say about Jesus? Who is he? And we'll, we're about to step into Jude, where we're, just like Jeff said, we're going to do four weeks in Jude, and we're excited about that. Again, like, we, we, we have these cards, so you'll give them away. Like, I really hope not that I don't walk into vodka later on and one's just like tucked away under a seat that someone would find. Like, we want you to actually hand it to a human being. Hand it to a human being and, and, and talk about that. Be a human being with other human beings. That's what we're trying to do together. And so we're about to step into that. And so last week, Jeff led us through 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And this week, I'm going to step into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're actually working together in this because we think it's really important. This letter in first Corinthians is Paul, the apostle Paul, writer of much of the new Testament, writing to a young church plant and telling them like, Hey, these are things that are good and beautiful and right. And these are things that are broken and messy. And what does it look like to walk out faith with both of those being real? It's a collision of uh, trying to just kind of like will our way to action, uh, colliding with the reality of God at work in lives. And that gets messy. If you've ever been a part of a community group, if you've ever known other human beings, you recognize that sometimes those things get messy. And so that's, that's the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul writing to this church, coaching this church, speaking into this church in the, that has some things to celebrate, but is far from messy. There are also human beings in a real city, uh, Corinth, in which they're just tr- trying to make it in this culture. And so that's where we find ourselves in this. That's what we're trying to look at. And we just felt that it was really important that we stop and, and speak a word about where we are as a church. And we use 1 Corinthians to speak to us that the word of God is living and active and we're holding it up as a guide and a mirror for us to see ourselves and what God's doing right here. And so Jeff did some work in there. He, he spoke of challenges and temptations He also used this phrase, the gravitational pull of the human heart. It pulls us in different directions. It pulls us from where we want to be, from what we say. Like, I really love this, but like, what a great phrase. Just think about that. The gravitational pull of the human heart. Again, let this be an advertisement. If you haven't listened to that sermon, if you weren't here, I just encourage you to get on the webpage, get on your podcast feed, and listen to to the sermon around chapter three, because it will help you with all of this. In chapter, he went on, he he talked about it, that we're, we're the temple of God. Again, he's painting this big picture for us to see who we are, that we're not just doing things. So we're not just trying to check off a list to feel better about ourselves or to feel like God loves us more. God says that if you're a follower of his, his spirit is in you and you are now the temple of God. His spirit at work in you and
1: through you, that's massively important. That's massively important. And so I wanna pick
0: up on all of this. I wanna pick up on it and, and, and hopefully with Jeff, just set our eyes on something bigger bigger than gathering on Sundays, bigger than how many people can we pack out in a place, bigger than does, uh, do we have a, a working service or working light bar, bigger than where are we meeting and what does it look like? Like, where's our heart? Where's our heart in all of this? And so when we're trying to figure this out, we, want, we need to get our bearings. And, and part of getting our bearings is kind of thinking through what is 1 Corinthians and, and 3 and 4 and what's going on. But like Paul sets a compass right here at the beginning of chapter 4 that we need to see. It helps us. If we, uh, bearings, like getting your bearings is a nautical phrase. It's this picture of like being on the sea. And when there's no landmarks out there, it's like, how do you find where you're going? How do you get your bearings? Paul puts that, he, he puts that right here for us at the beginning of it. And I want to read verses one and two for us. This, this really is the foundation that everything else in this chapter works off of. And if you're going to read through the rest of this book, it is what this whole book is building off of. Chapter four, verse one. This is how one should regard us. How one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's re- required of stewards that they be found faithful. Consider that your compass for the rest of this sermon and where we're going for. Consider that to be your guidepost for that. Like it, it is upon us to be found as servants it, 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 servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. And, and moreover, it's, it, it's upon, it's required of a steward that they be found faithful, be found faithful. So real quickly with me, think through a couple of those words right here. There's a requirement. Like is, this is what is expected of, of a follower of Jesus. This is it, how one should regard us. This is the, the world looking in, the, the neighborhood, the city, if you're here in Yukon, if you're in Mustang or Piedmont, El Reno, I know we have people from Hinton and, and just about everywhere in between. There are people coming to this place, but your neighbors, your coworkers, those
1: people around you, they should regard you as something. And if it's a follower of Jesus, you should be regarded
0: as a servant. Now think about this. I already mentioned we have a compass, which is this, like, how do we get our bearings? But Paul uses a nautical term right here, like a servant, and he uses this term, which actually translates to under rower. Not something that we see a lot of in Oklahoma. This is big ship talk. This is the big, uh, big one where under the decks and the lower decks are, are people that are pull, pulling and pushing on the oars, and their job is to listen to the voice, the captain who's telling them push and pull. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. But they're not setting it. They're the ones who are serving. They're the ones who are moving through this. And and I don't think that we need to do a lot of unpacking around the term servant. But we do need to think about it a little bit because like all of us could raise our hands and say, I'm okay being a servant. I can do that. I'm a humble person. I like to think of myself that and and I I can serve. And, And all of us could probably sit up straight in our seat this morning and say that. It's easy to say you're a servant or going to be a servant until you're treated like a servant. And then we bristle, right? Who are you to treat me like that? Who are you to think like that? I would also guess that in our culture, in our context, we've all read way too many books, blog posts, heard a podcast around what it means to be a servant. We've studied and thought like, oh, this is a way, this is what the Bible means when it talks about being a servant. And we've, we've educated ourselves to the nth degree about what it means to be a servant. And yet we're not serving. We find ourselves talking about, about a lot of things and not actually walking it out. And yet the very compass that Paul gives at the beginning of this is that you and I should be regarded as something. And what he puts his finger on is a servant, an under rower in which we're listening to the voice of the captain and we're moving accordingly. So let me give you one real practical thing to do with that. One real practical thing is to stop talking about serving, stop praying about serving, stop like considering it and thinking about it. Stop trying to figure out where it fits in your uh, schedule and say, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to do it. And if, if that's like, where does that fit in and stuff? Uh, listen, there are places around here you can serve. You may or may not know this, but like we're about to have something like a hundred babies this summer. That's This much of an exaggeration. Uh, This church is growing through people coming to us, through people stepping into this church. We're growing, it's actually uh, really beautiful to see. It's also growing biologically. It's growing biologically, like we're gonna have all these babies in this place and, and those babies have real life mothers who most of them have already been serving in our kids' ministry and we need more people helping out in our kids' ministry. But hear this, we're not just trying to get people working, we're trying to form disciples and to see God formed in us. And so my challenge is to, to think less about uh, the nuance of each word and think, am I actually living this out? The second thing that comes up here with Paul, he says, like, like we're, we're servants of the mysteries of Christ. Like these mysteries, the truths of who he is, this gospel message of him. And we're, we're stewards. We're stewards of this. We're stewards Of this very thing, it's like we're we're stewards of the mysteries of God. We're servants of Christ. We're stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, what is a steward? Probably not a a word that we use all the time here. A a steward is one who takes care of the king's house. One who's taking care of that. Well, what's required of a steward? It's required, well, you need to know certain things. You need to know what Paul's getting to is the mysteries of God. You need to know the, those things, which is why we read the Bible regularly. It's why we're in this, because it's our, it's our only guide. It's our only voice that we have right here into this. This Holy Spirit speaking to us through the living and active word of God. But it's also being aware of what's going on around. A steward needs to not only know what the king is asking, requiring, calling us to, but the steward also needs to be aware about the circumstances around And so uh, it is, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, that we would know and that we would be aware, servants and stewards. And yet he says says it this way, and I don't want to screw it up. Moreover, there's a great word on top of that, above and beyond all of that. If you use moreover in an email this week, you're weird. But this word is like a real word that's telling us on top, of, on top of this, there's something really important for you to catch. Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. And so our text implies a really important
1: question that often goes unasked. What does faithfulness look like? What does faithfulness look like? What does it look like for you
0: and I to be faithful? That's a word that gets thrown about. We sing about faithfulness. We, we, we talk about faithfulness. And then too often we couldn't even put our finger on what it actually means to live this out. And so I think it's a, it's a, often it's a term without a definition. It's one that we like, we recognize more than we could like say, that's it. Like we, we feel this, but let me, let me put it in a picture for us. Let me, let me try to put a picture for you because I think we instinctively get some of these things. I, I, I'm a father of three. I have three daughters um, and, and all three of these girls are precious. Two are away at college, but like, imagine uh, breakfast at the Puckett house. We're trying to get everybody off to school, and all these things are happening. We're trying to figure out our day, and uh, we had this neighbor named Carly, and she's uh, three doors down from us. And, and here we're sitting around the table trying to get out the door and everything. And I, I tell the girls, I say, "Hey, girls, I need you to go down to Carly." I need you sometime today to go down to Carly and I need you to give her this message. And I tell him the message. I like, hear, I need you to do this. So then we all go off and do our things. I, I come home at the end of the day and I walk in. And what's the first thing then when you walk in? On a good day when you walk in and you smell it, and you smell like, oh, there's something cooking that that's going to be good stuff. And you walk in and you're like, here we go. And then I hear the sound and the girls are like, which is straight out of some Disney movie or something. They're all singing over their mother because that's our house normally. And like you walk in and you feel like the joy in the house. All of these things are happening, right? And then we sit down at dinner and I start to to see like the house is clean. They've taken care of all this stuff. They have my slippers ready. I don't have slippers, by the way. But like, uh, like we, we sit down and you're like, this is idyllic. This is like a crazy painting of what family's like. And, and we sit down for all of this. We have a great
1: conversation about the day. And then I ask like, hey, did you talk to Carly? What does faithfulness look like in that moment? You have an answer in your head. Their answer Hypothetically could be,
0: well, we did a study about the words that you asked us to take to Carly. And then we diagrammed it all. And we came up with stuff. And then we wrote songs. That's what you heard us singing over mom. We, we, we wrote these songs, and then, and then we were like, as we were thinking and meditating on what you wanted us to tell the Carly, we decided we'd, we would clean the house and do all these types of things. And then we sit down, and it's like, oh, man, what a place. Like, that's awesome. So many nice things happening. Were they
1: faithful? I mean, we know the answer to that. And what happens to us is that we know all sorts of
0: things and we hear things at church and we hear things in the Bible and and we know it and we find ourselves not actually being faithful and applying these things. And what Paul is putting his finger on and what we're trying to say with us is like, let's not just be a nice group of people gathering week in and week out, saying nice words, singing nice songs, but let's be regarded by this city and by our neighbors and by those around us
1: as people found faithful. We're not just trying to come up with a list of things to do. We're not just trying to come up with things that we're talking
0: about and and a checklist that at the end of the day, we feel good about. We're actually trying to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. And so when we talk about this, I I just wanna throw out to you uh, that Paul is calling us to action and not just saying nice things. I, I wanna walk through this with you real fast. The rest of this chapter is Paul, again, Paul's been coaching, but the rest of this chapter is Paul being coach, okay? Uh, and so coaches sometimes say things that people don't want to hear, and it gets rough right in here, and this place is messy, and so Paul pulls no punches. I coached basketball for a number of years, and I had good teams, and I had uh okay teams in this type of stuff. I had a team of people. I coached middle school basketball uh, for two seasons. I had a team full of people, and I'm not kidding around. Every kid on my team had asthma. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? I had a pocket full of inhalers. And I truly, if some kid like, had a problem, I'm just throwing them out on the court and like, find it, save yourself. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like Paul is coaching. And there were times when we would show up and like you show up and they're doing one thing and then the coach walks in and things change. The effort level goes up. The attention to detail goes up. And what's happening is that these people are, are going through the motions of church in Corinth. And then Paul is speaking into them. And he's throwing some sharp elbows. He's sarcastic in this section. He is sarcastic and he's messy. I have three daughters. I'd go as far as to say, at points in this, he's sassy. He's sassy right here. But I want you to see what he says because he goes out there and, and immediately from verses one and two, he's like, hey, man, I'm not concerned about what other people think. Think about that. In verse three and four, he's talking about like, uh, like, what other people think doesn't matter. How often do we get tripped up by what other people think? That's different than being regarded well by your neighbors. That's different than that. He says, it's only God who is speaking into this in my life. But notice, now he gets really, he starts to paint a contrast and he's he's really sharp and the elbows come out. Already you have all you want, verse eight. Already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. I happen to believe that in many ways, the church in Corinth probably met in a strip mall had lights that work part of the time and a floor that looks like it's rotting from below. It probably didn't have all the trappings of beautiful stained glass and everything. And Paul's like, Oh yeah, you've already become rich. You have everything you want.
1: Imagine like, I think Paul would say something similar to us. Oh, you've got everything. And like
0: without us, you have become Kings And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. In case it's lost on you, Paul's being very sarcastic right here. He's painting a contrast. He's painting a contrast that they have the trappings of church. They have a a form and a structure right here. And now they're starting to feel kind of like fat and happy. And they're like, oh, we got everything we need, right? We rule this place. We've got that. And now they're caught up in arguments over carpet colors and and what to set the air conditioning on. They're, They're caught up in all these silly things right here in it. And he's like, oh, you guys have got everything you want. Pick it up with me in verse 10. He starts this contrast. We're fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. It's the coach coming and saying, oh oh yeah, you know everything you want. I had a, a guy that played for me. And he made the all get off the bus team. He looked the part getting off the bus. And then you got him out there and he didn't know up from down. And I remember in practice one day, we were, we were standing there and I'm like, hey, friend, you can't do it like that. As soon as people get bigger and faster, as soon as the competition get better, you can't do it like that. It's never going to work. This is not going to work like that. And he looked at me, I think I've said this to you before, but he looked at me and he said this with a complete straight face and a minute, and it showed up the rest of his high school years. It showed up. He said, coach, I'd rather look good
1: and lose than do it your way. And Paul is coaching this church and saying, that's not gonna work. When times get tough, and things are hard, you better know where you're going. You better know who you are. And I don't think this is on our screen, but I I
0: think this is picking up in verse 11. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst we're poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Paul is speaking right here of like, you guys think you have everything, and yet here's what it's called this is Paul,
1: the Apostle Paul, writer of most of the New Testament. <laughs> Thing, like, you've got this all backwards. And notice it
0: gets insufficient to say Paul's just coaching them because here's where he goes. He's fathering them. And he says this really specific. He says in verse 14, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children for though you have countless guides, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, he's not just far off saying, Hey, here's a, I'm the boss, do it my
1: way. He's saying, no, I'm your I'm a father because of what God has done. And I love you. And I, I, I honestly,
0: I, I really do believe this. I think if you walked with us, we could teach you to do a number of things. We could teach you uh, how to do a lot of stuff. I am taking my life in my hands because I have a 15 year old that I'm teaching to drive right now. I'm brave enough to step into that and do that like this most of the time. I think we could teach you how how to open this Bible and read it. I think we could teach you just the basics of praying. I think we could teach you like why community matters. But at the end of the day, like I can't, teach you how to walk in faithfulness. There's some of that that we cry out to God and we step into. We say, God, meet me in this. And as a father here in the church, as a father of three girls, as a father here to a church broadly, I just plead with you to put the main thing, the main thing, and to look to Jesus for who he is and what he's calling you. He goes on, he goes on into this in verse 19 or in 18. He says, some are arrogant as though though I were not coming to you. Think about that. Just like, like you're just saying all sorts of things, but here's where he gets to it. I will come to you soon. If the Lord wills, I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. And that's really important for us because he puts his finger on something really important. He finds the nerve, so to
1: speak, in that it's one thing to talk a good game. It's another thing to live it out. If you've ever asked your kids to clean their room, it's different when they're by themselves to when the parents walk in. It, it, a classroom is different when the teacher walks out of the room. It's just different.
0: And Paul is like, hey, I know I'm at a distance right now, but I'm coming. And I'm not coming to uh, bring the hammer. I'm not coming to, to be uh, like lording over you. I, I want to come as a father. I want to come as a father, but it isn't just that we say the right things or we sing the right songs. It's that we actually live this out in power. And that that word becomes kind of challenging because we live in a world in a time in which the idea, the concept of power is like, oh, that's oppressive. That's someone keeping me down. That's someone who's like going to, uh, to like, press into us and someone's going to lose out in this. There's a power dynamic at play and the world just writes this off. And what I want you to see is that Paul doesn't use it that way. Paul's not using power this way. In fact, in chapter one, he's already said it. Chapter one, verse 18, he says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is What? The power of God. It's his work in us and through us. It's God doing this stuff. And so Paul's saying, and the Bible speaks to this clearly, is that power throughout the Bible is not putting someone down. It's God working to bring life in someone. The power of God that raised the dead, the power of life that brings hope to the hopeless, the power of life that rescues sin, rescues sinners from themselves. Someone's calling me right now. Are you kidding me?
1: Power to turn them off. Maybe. And so we finish this up.
0: We finish this up. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming, but I am coming to you. If the Lord wills, I will find out that talk of these arrogant people, uh, not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Do you wish, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod
1: or with the love and a spirit of gentleness? Friends, Paul is coaching this little church. He's fathering this
0: little church, this unfinished church, into saying, hey, there's something that matters beyond these squabbles. They were arguing about, oh, well, we follow this person. It would be like arguing about, like, well, I follow Derek, but not Chad. Or I I do this, but not that. It's like, man, all that misses the point.
1: I am an under rower. I'm a steward. Or better yet, I'm fighting to be an under rower and a steward.
0: I'm praying like crazy to be regarded
1: as a person who is a servant, as a person who is a steward. And I'm fighting like crazy to be found faithful.
0: And maybe you're like me and you're sitting there through all this and you're like, I want that. <laughs> I do. But I also recognize that I'm a hot mess most
1: of the time. And I'm trying to avoid like these ten things. And
0: yet the the problem's deeper because like just take faithfulness, for example. I'm married. I have but one wife. I love her to the best of my ability. Uh I think I am going home every single night to her and to her alone. I pray for that, and I hope you would pray for that, too, in my life. And I don't want to do those things. But like even this week, I found myself
1: just being impatient, rude. And the Lord
0: just impressed on me. He just like said to me in the car, I was like, it's like you're not
1: being faithful to her. And I had to come home and, and confess that and say, I'm sorry. It's like, it, it,
0: take it off the shelf of what are the five things that I don't need to do to be faithful. And recognize that there are all these dark areas of our heart in which we are continually crying out, God, form in me the heart of a servant and build in me the mindset of a steward that I would be found faithful. Faithful. And that you would be as well. You see, our hope is not that today I'm gonna just pull myself up by my bootstraps and just I'm gonna I'm gonna will myself
1: and I'm gonna be faithful today. No, it's what what we're told, even right here in chapter one, Paul goes directly to this. In
0: chapter one, verse nine, I think we have several verses of this, but verse nine is all I'll
1: read. It says this, God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And friends, that's our hope.
0: Our hope is that he's forming us. He's reforming us building us. And our hope at the end of the day is that God is faithful, that we would, we would walk out, that we would live out our faith, not just in talk, but in power, the power of God who is faithful to work in our lives. Will you pray with me?